You are listening to the Center Church Podcast. Center Church is an unapologetic urban church in the heart of Richmond for the heart of Richmond. Our mission is simple, to empower people towards a life-giving journey with Jesus. Enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? What the? <laughs> Come on. There's so many people here. This is exciting. We're on to something. God is at the move. How are you doing today? Much better. My gosh. Hey, listen, my name is Stephen Poor, and I am one of the pastors, a part of this community. And what a community we have. I'm going to wear my mask today. Listen, COVID exposures and cases are still high, and that's why we're not offering coffee today. That's why I'm going to wear a mask today, because it's important that we show our community what it means to love well. Are you with me? And we're not willing to set aside our prophetic voice here in our city for our comfort. Are you with me? And so today, I'm wearing a mask. Now, some of you are maybe new or newer to our community. Maybe it's been a long time since you've come into church. Maybe, maybe it feels kind of, maybe you're nervous to be here. Maybe you're scared. Maybe you're worried about two congregations becoming one in vision and partnerships. I see you. I get it. It's really, really scary. But what's at stake? When I think about the opportunities our city has, when I, when I think about those who are oftentimes the least of these in our city having a space where they can come and be loved and included, Gosh, we have opportunities. And together, friends, these two distinct communities, Boulevard United Methodist and Center Church, we are on mission. No, we are co-missioned with one another. Are you with me? Co-missioned. Two churches coming together in mission to be a force of transformation with Christ. And so um, I just want to welcome you today. Listen, do fill out a communication card if you don't mind. We we just want to help you take next steps with our church. We want you to feel connected and loved and valued. So as Pastor Drew said earlier, please do that. I want to give one more special shout out to those of you that we put out seats for you in the back. Well done. Way to just like kind of roll with it while we're trying to figure out how many people are going to be a part of this community. Do we need to offer multiple services? which it seems like we do, (laughs) look around real quick. I mean, this is powerful. God is on the move, and that's just good news for everyone. Now, we're starting a new series today called Greatest of These, and it comes right out of our reading today. The greatest of these is love. And guess what? We're in the month of February, And some of you are getting very nervous. You're like, man, this pastor is about to talk about partnerships and relationships and singleness. And I've got good news for you. I'm not. (laughs) In fact, this text has very little to say about our relationships with our partners or whomever we love. It actually has a lot to say 
about being a part of a loving community and a, and a community that reveals this kind of love that we're going to unpack in a little bit. But as I was doing research for this sermon, wouldn't you know it that I started getting ads for dating apps. I'm very happily married. <laughs> I, lo I love my partner. Uh, I think she's the best. She's the cat's meow. But I'm getting all these dating apps. Did you know there was a dating app called Bristle for people that like other people with beards? Like, that's a real... Did you know there was a dating app called Tendog, where it's tender for dogs? And, like, you can set up a date for your animals to play and hang out with one another. This is real. This is a real hot app. There's an app called Sizzle, and you got nervous that a pastor just said the word sizzle from up front. There's an app called Sizzle, and it's for people that love bacon. <laughs> This is real. Like, these are real apps that I've seen advertisements for. There's also Trek Passion. For those of you that, all two of you that like Star Trek, you can meet. And uh, then there's, of course, Christian Mingle. Ugh. So before you, like, I don't understand why y'all don't set up great screen names. And so I started to kind of kick around some tires on some screen names. And for Christian Mingle in particular, I've come up with a few. Come and get Psalm, S-P-S-A-L-M. Um, that's a good one, right? Allison, thank you. Uh, I got no Job, J-O-B, but it's job. Um, how about living la vida Christ? No? <laughs> Why am I getting booed for that one? All right, wait. This is my favorite one. Just hang with me. Afterlife Buddies. Afterlife Buddies. No, okay. No one would respond to these screen names, right? But here's the deal. When love isn't responsive, think about this. When the community isn't responding in love to the needs of the greater city, when the community puts freedom before love, we are nothing, Paul says. To say we have a weird relationship with love is nothing short but true, but we th typically think about love in the context of romantic relationships. But when Jesus, and in this case Paul, talked about love, it's completely different. More often than not, Jesus and Paul are talking about two different types of love um, that are in the ancient Greek. It's um, phileo, which is neighborly love, and agape, which is unconditional love. Both of these different types of love requires our responsiveness. Are you with me? And we're going to talk about that a bit more later. Now, we heard in the scripture reading a letter from Paul. And you can hear me breathing because of the mask. I'm sorry. But this particular letter is written to a people that were, like, really well-versed in religion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We know some of those people, don't we? Like, they know all the right things to say. They know the scripture. They know the liturgy. They've been a part of this church world for a long time. But Paul became very concerned for this church in Corinth because there was something that they were lacking. They, they had all the right things. They knew what to do. They knew what to say. But there was something that was lacking from their community, something that was most important to Paul and to Jesus, and to God. 
That is love. Now, if you reread verses 1 through 3, which are going to pop up on the screen here, Paul's use of love here is agape. And this particular use is an exhortation for the Christian community to embody toward one another. In other words, the purpose of love, in Paul's opinion, is less about the romantic pursuit and more about the edification of community. Paul had a vision of the church that the Christian community would respond to one another and our city the same way that Christ responds to those on the outside, those who are disadvantaged. And how does Christ respond? Well, we, we all know. With love, care, and inclusion. There are some popular leaders, especially lately. There's a lot of popular leaders that grow their churches in a flash. But because they lack character, because they lack love, because they lack the things that are necessary for longevity, they burn their churches in a fire to the ground. And, I mean, friends, the truth is that we're here for it. Oftentimes, because of American exceptionalism, because of our culture, because of our consumerism, we look for those pastors that have the tweetable things to say. That's what we want. That's why they're filling the pews. That's why they're like gangbusters in their building. Jesus is saying, Paul is saying, if it's not rooted in the character of love, then the charismatic doesn't matter. It just doesn't. Look, you can have everything. You can have an awesome building. You can have a growing congregation. You can have an LED wall. You can have smoke machines and lasers. You can have a sick merch store in the back. You can have a pastor that looks like he just stumbled out of H&M with black jean jackets and jeans and boots. But if it's not rooted in love, it just doesn't matter. You're nothing more than a gong. You're a symbol. You're out of harmony with that of which Christ is doing in this world. You are going against. Revelation says you are anti-Christ. And yet many of us, we want the leaders to be leading our cities, our country, our churches that are embodying the Antichrist way. It's a gong. Paul continues in verse 2. You can have faith that moves mountains, and it's nothing if it's not Rooted in what? We are nullified without it. And we are edified with it. It matters. 
It matters. I've got to pray through one. Thanks for hanging with me for a second. The invitation from Paul is, am I loving my neighbor? Am I loving God? And am I loving myself? And here's how we know. The text is imploring that the reader, that we take a cognitive litmus test to see what you're doing, to see if it's first grounded in love. Or are we just striving for a platform or success? And if we can't honestly say that whatever it is we're doing is for love and in love, then the longevity, the fruit of our endeavor, it must come under investigation or we risk breaking the flow, the flow that is shared not only by those in this community, but the love that the greater community will experience. It matters. How you think about God, even how you think about yourself, and how you think about your neighbor affects the flow of affection. In any kind of community, be it relationship or friendship, the flow of devotion can be disrupted if the intentions are self-seeking, manipulative, or toxic. A responsive love requires a knowledge of self and a knowledge from the, of the need for others. And this is why Paul gives us a litmus test. This is why when, um, this is good, when I go to Carver Elementary, I, I go about twice a year, and I ask to have a meeting with the principal there. I don't tell her what she needs. I don't say, hey, we're going to do this for you. Or, hey, we're going to do that for you. That's toxic charity. That makes me feel better and doesn't actually help the situation of children in underserved communities not having access to equitable education. And so what I do, because you have to know what it means to respond in love, I ask the principal, I say, what do you need? It's so simple. But for many of us, it's so hard. You see, in order to act in love, you first have to know. What do you need? Verses 4 through 7. This isn't about the feelings of love, even though it's said at every single wedding. Paul knows that feelings are fleeting. This is about the formation of of character. This is the litmus test. Four through seven. The next, boom. Love is patient. This is how you know. Character, love is kind. It does not envy. It is not proud. It endures. Let's go to the next slide. This is a big one. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in truth. Seven, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. This is really, really important. This particular text, and I have to push pause, and I'm going to come back to my sermon and finish. I'm going to invite the band up in a few minutes. 
But this text right here has been really popularly used by pastors to silence those who've experienced abuse oftentimes in the church. Oh, you just got to, my gosh, you just got to trust. You need to protect the church. You need to protect this person that abused you. No. If you go back, the church rejoices in truth. The church rejoices when darkness is brought to light. And if we're not doing that, we're gong. We're symbol. We're out of harmony with that of which Christ wants to do. Are you with me? This is not a responsive love when you tell someone who has been uh, dehumanized to stay silent. It is not love when we see our brothers and sisters not have equitable circumstances or shot unarmed. It is not love for us not to respond. We must be the first to protest. We must be the first to stand up. We must be the first to shine light in dark places. We must be the first to be an inclusive community. That is truth and love. I'm sorry, I had to go on a side note. The church must take seriously our role. I'm going to invite the band up. I want to get to the brass tacks of what Paul is talking about here. If we embody these characteristics, this litmus test, we will experience the divine cycle of the highest expression of community. People will feel welcomed. People will feel valued. People will be cared for. Notice, then in turn, this same kind of care, because we've responded with love, will be shown back to us. It's the way that love works. It's cyclical. And it's fragile. And we can break that cycle if we're not careful. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 13, this is all about Pauline theology, which highlights three important virtues. Faith, hope, and love. You'll see this repeated throughout Pauline text. These are important virtues that Paul uh, feels very important for the Christian faith to embody. But there's one that he highlights as most important, and that is love. Love abides. The greatest of these is love. And we will find that the things we care most about when we're confronted by God, we are going to be surprised by the questions and the moments where we didn't offer love, where we thought we were loving. We're going to be surprised by what God says to us about our lack of care if we aren't willing to take the spiritual litmus test that Paul is suggesting that we take. So your homework this week, 
take some time. Every single decision you make this week, every big decision, especially if other people are involved, send it through the litmus test. Is this loving? Is this persevering? Is this envying? Is this showing someone the true agape love? Is this showing somebody what it means to be loved by God and loved by me and loved and a part of this loving community? And if it's not, if it doesn't, maybe what you're doing isn't best. May God bless you and may he keep you and may his love shine upon you forever and ever. 